1: hey everybody it's steve ag i'm back i'm doing my podcast again because uh there's a new feral studio and uh dustin brought me over and i looked at it and i was like oh fuck i uh I now have a reason to start podcasting again, because this place is the tits. Uh, it's very nice, and uh, I feel very lucky to be in here. This is my first show in the new space, and uh, so I wanted to get a very special special guest and uh, a friend of mine, uh, and as you can see from the link that you click to get here, uh, my guest today is Diablo Cody, who I've known for a few years now, and I've had the pleasure to work with a couple times and uh, I think it's a very good interview. It's a little under an hour, because um, she's very busy and had some stuff to do. But uh, I think we covered some pretty amazing shit. Um, also you can buy uh, Diablo's book. You can buy any of her movies, Juno, Jennifer's Body, any of the movies that she's done uh, on Amazon. And if you want to do that, you should do that through my page on the Feral Audio uh, Network. Just click on Steve uh and then find the link to Amazon. Buy your stuff there, buy anything there, and uh, we get a kickback uh, at no extra cost to you, and it helps. And uh, that's it, you guys. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thanks. Uh, hi. Hi. Uh, well, I, my guest, as you all know uh, from reading the, um, the description of this podcast uh, today, is the wonderful uh, Diablo Cody. My good friend.
0: Hello. Good friend? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're there. (laughs) We've had lunch together. We've gotten there.
1: (laughs) We've worked together.
0: We have worked together.
1: Uh, Diablo and I, I'll call you Diablo for this, even though I'm used to calling you Brooke. Yeah, I
0: typically go by Brooke, but I'm willing to assume the showbiz persona for your listeners. Just for the listeners' sake.
1: I don't want to get them confused. I'm also sitting in a white
0: Bentley right now, (laughs) wearing a mink stole.
1: And Oprah is driving.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, Diablo and I just recently did a talk show together, a pilot. We did. It's so funny because after that announcement, people have been coming up to me still going, how's the talk show going? Like, they think it's an actual ongoing... I
0: keep having to explain to people that it hasn't yet been ordered to series, so we just shot the one episode. We shot the pilot, and... Apparently they're trying to make a, a decision about whether or not to order more episodes. Which uh, to me would be a no-brainer. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. this needs to run for like seventeen seasons.
1: <laughs> it was really fun.
0: It was really fun.
1: And the I guess we can I mean the it's a late night talk show.
0: It is. It's yeah. It's like it's late-ish, like not as late as Letterman, but at night.
1: And you're the host.
0: I'm the host. And
1: yeah, if, if for those of you, I mean, who knows in this town if anything will ever get made, but you did uh, an interview series called Red Man Trailer for the web. Oh, which is really good. Yeah,
0: thanks. Thanks for. So talking you can find that. It.
1: You can find that on the internet. And she I did interviews a lot of. How many did you do? Like.
0: I think we only did, I think we did like 20. That's a lot. It is a lot, but it was, uh, yeah, it was a good time, and I realized that I enjoy interviewing celebrities. Yeah. And I thought it would be fun to do this on TV, and it was. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, we had, it was me and Steve, and we had Ellen Page. I was the
1: sidekick. Steve
0: is the sidekick. <laughs> I
1: was the Andy Richter.
0: He was good, too. It was fun and uh it was, I feel it
1: went really well though especially because Ellen Page was the first guest.
0: Ellen wh- who we love was the first guest and she was uh she was like in hysterics. Yeah. for most of the interview which was pretty great.
1: Yeah, she's one, oddly one of my best friends and so that interview was so Laid back and fun.
0: Well, I, you haven't seen the edit of the episode. I haven't and seen it at they all. They don't. It's never established during the interview that you and Ellen are friends, <laughs> so it it plays really weird because like by the end she's like basically in your lap, and there's clearly this like major familiarity there. But if the viewers <laughs> yeah. don't know that, then I don't. I don't know how they're going to perceive the situation.
1: <laughs> like, like Ellen's being really forward with Steve A. Yeah,
0: like Ellen wants to get on that. <laughs> like that's basically how it comes off.
1: And also Allison Hannigan.
0: Yeah, who was like a great sport. I mean, at one point I had people like eating crackers. Like we did the we oh did this, my god, that's right. We did right. the saltine cracker challenge where you have to eat like five saltines in a minute. Was
1: it just five?
0: It's five. Because it's
1: still to me, even though I couldn't do it,
0: you did do it.
1: Mm, I faked it. I I shoved them all in my mouth, but I didn't swallow. Oh them yeah, anymore. I guess it. So. It sounds so fucking easy. Five saltine crackers in a minute.
0: We spent the whole week discussing how we would easily be able to accomplish it, both of us, I, and I—I uh, I, I didn't even come close.
1: No, it's really difficult because it's like trying to eat just chalk.
0: I think episode two is the cinnamon challenge. If we get the chance,
1: is that another thing?
0: Yeah, it's just a spoonful of, of like a heaping spoonful of like cinnamon, like, like, like the spice.
1: That's supposed to be hard to do.
0: It's supposed to be much harder than the saltines.
1: What? A spoonful of cinnamon.
0: Yeah, but you don't get any water or anything. I think Straight I would just cinnamon, save like... up
1: my saliva. That sounds good to people's ears.
0: <laughs> That's actually the sound of his like salivary glands <laughs> producing. That's nice.
1: I feel like I could do that. I have a challenge, though, right you now. Said for you said the
0: same thing about the. We,
1: we have a big jar. This is my first time, by the way, recording in the feral. The new Feral Studio, which is really awesome.
0: It's super nice in here. I feel like we're like I feel like we're like Mason Puff Daddy, and it's 1997, and we're like making our album.
1: <laughs> yo 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 yo. Chick. I need more bass in my headphones, uh, but there's a huge jar of those. Uh, what are they called? The the. The tiny size candy bars, the, yeah. like the Halloween size,
0: fun size,
1: fun size. That's it. The fun size candy bar. And I said while we while Dustin was setting up the mics and stuff, I said, uh, "I, I wonder if you could reach into this, pull out a candy bar, and tell me what it is." Yeah, I could do it. All right. So I'm shaking it. You, up. Have,
0: to, you have to take it out, unwrap it for me. I'm not looking.
1: Why don't I take? I'll take one. Okay. Okay. I'm taking one. Here's me. Good good radio.
0: I know this is similar to eating saltines is good television. There
1: you go. That's a candy bar.
0: I'm just doing it. Easy. This is the Three Musketeers. No. What? It's a Milky Way. Ah. There's caramel. Yeah. Damn it.
1: Fucking holy shit. All right. No, listen.
0: I didn't. (laughs) I didn't give myself a chance to, to fully experience what was in my mouth.
1: You gotta, you're got you rushing into it. I'm going to okay. do one more. I think...
0: I'm, I didn't get to the caramel note
1: right. fast enough. All right, look away. I got another one. I think the shapes of these will, are also <laughs> very telling. All right, here we go.
0: I'm so full. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fun size. Hmm. I detect milk chocolate. Mm-hmm. Peanut? Could it be? It's Mr. Fucking Goodbar. Yes. Uh huh. Okay. I,
1: would you have been able to tell? I won't make you keep doing this, but would you have been able to tell the difference between a crackle and a Mr. Goodbar?
0: You'd have to be an idiot to not know the difference between a crackle and a Mr. Goodbar.
1: I don't know if I know what the fuck a crackle is.
0: Have you? Did no one give you Hershey miniatures as a child?
1: Uh, I I loved. A crackle
0: the, is like a fake Nestle's Crunch.
1: Well, would you have then maybe thought it was a Nestle Crunch?
0: I would have known because there aren't fun-sized Nestle Crunches typically.
1: Thanks for doing the podcast. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody.
0: <laughs> totally. Uh, I know. I'm sorry, everybody.
1: We just uh, – Diablo and I just had lunch before the podcast at one of my new uh, – it's not new to me, but, like, within the past year or so, uh, this restaurant that a friend showed me right Five blocks from the Farrell Studio, called Chili John's. Oh, it's so good. I know I'm eating chocolate, but um,
0: I think I really li- I like seeing a restaurant in like the Los Angeles area that like limits people's choices, because there's so many like douchebags in LA mm. who're like walking around like I only eat this and I only eat that, and you go into Chili John's and it's like, would you like some chili?
1: You really, your That's only it. options are the types of chili, like beef. Or vegetarian chili. And then they're like, what do you want it on? Spaghetti or rice or beans. <laughs> it's
0: so delicious. And the pie is incredible.
1: Yeah, and we really were there basically just to get like, to the pie.
0: And now I'm really full and I just say chocolate.
1: If you're in L.A. and get a chance to get to Burbank, go to Chili John's on Burbank Boulevard and get the lemon pie. Yeah. It's the honest to God. It is. It's
0: the most delicious pie I've ever had. The
1: best pie I've ever had in my life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what were we doing? I feel like right before we started recording, we were having some good, sort of riveting discussion about um immortality.
1: Immortality and lobsters.
0: Lobsters. I, I
1: tweeted uh I tweeted a few weeks ago that uh I just found out lobsters uh are immortal, uh but their biggest I, I think I added that their biggest downfall was that they are delicious though. Um, but then I found out, and like a lot of people are like, "Are lobsters really immortal?" And I'm like, "Yeah, they have uh, this ability to regenerate cells, which could conceivably let them live forever if there weren't predators killing them, like us." And then a friend of mine told me that it's sort of true, but there's a catch in that at a certain age, a certain maturity, they their shells stop growing and stop molting and basically become a prison that suffocates them. I,
0: I mean, could be make,
1: totally I, wrong, too, but I think that, that sounds about right, because it seems like otherwise there would be fucking lobsters coming out of the ocean, like, everywhere.
0: I just kind of feel like it still doesn't make sense to me. Even with the shell revelation, I feel like a living thing just eventually, like, runs out of power. And why are
1: we not using that cell-generating enzyme that these lobsters have... For us. Like, I I, I, I feel like, uh, hey, science, fucking get on this shit. It would
0: be a great way to reboot the Red Lobster franchise. Like, it'd be like, coming this month for Immortality Fest. Yeah.
1: Eternal Lobster. You Like, they have one <laughs> lobster, and you just eat its you
0: get like offspring. A, yeah.
1: And this comes from our, you know, 500-year-old lobster. This is its grandchild.
0: You also get, like... Twenty one shrimp.
1: I did when I was writing uh, for the Jimmy Kimmel Show. Um, I did a fake video piece. There was a story, um, probably about five, or six or seven years ago. A fisherman found a furry lobster. Yeah. Like it, in really deep, deep sea, they found these lobsters that are white and fucking furry. Like they have like
0: this is gross. Kind of
1: like hair. And so I made a, a fake red lobster commercial where it's like, come on in for the, the red lobsters, new furry lobster. And it was just people sitting at a table eating this just with fur all over their fucking <laughs> mouths and like gagging on fur. That's funny. But yeah, furry lobster that lives forever. It's amazing. But yeah, we were talking about immortality and you would love to live forever, right?
0: I was saying I wouldn't love love to live forever. I mean, okay, if all of mankind achieves immortality, yes, I want to be immortal. Otherwise, I don't see the point. It's just like a depressing... It's like Highlander. Exactly. But what I was saying is... I would – if somebody offered me either a billion dollars or the opportunity to stop aging today, stop physically aging, I would still die in like, you know, whenever I was going to die. But my like body – forty fifty forty 40 yeah. or 50 more years. Exactly. I get 40 or 50 more years in my 35-year-old body, which to be fair is not that great, but better <laughs> than being fucking 80. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, yes, I would, I would take that over a billion dollars.
1: And I, my reply to that was I think I've already passed the – place of, like, oh, I wouldn't want to live in this 44-year-old body forever now. it's
0: What if somebody I'm, said you could be 25 physically again?
1: Oh, my God. You would do it. In a minute. I was, like, in my best shape, like, in my mid-20s. I was rock climbing and mountain biking. and
0: Well, you would have to resume doing those things to maintain that, though.
1: Oh. <laughs> like you, so you would still be twenty five,
0: but you could you could become a soft twenty five if you weren't also. Oh, you had
1: to maintain the twenty five year old. No, you body. don't.
0: Oh, it's hard to explain. Like, like another,
1: if a genie was like Steve, you can be twenty five because you achi- you, you achieved
0: that physique at twenty five through activity, not just yeah. through the fact that you were twenty five. Right. So you would have to.
1: But if he said to me right now, I'm forty four. You can have your twenty five year old body back and live like that until you die, in, like. 30, 40 more years. And I'd say, okay, great. And then they w- would I be that 25 year old body, or would I be 25 but still my shitty manatee shaped body? I don't
0: know. I, this is too complicated.
1: <laughs> I also love that we're talking about it. Like, if, this is a possibility. I like <laughs> no. no, we really need to get to the bottom of this because this is a possibility. Oh. But you didn't see that Kurzweil documentary. I
0: didn't. Because I see nothing.
1: About singularity and...
0: No, but I'm very interested in that topic. Because idea, I feel like it could be imminent.
1: And the idea... I think it's possible. I mean, I don't think I'll live to see that, but like robots in your bloodstream that fight off, you know, like cancer cells and shit like that.
0: I mean, there have to be a lot of things, though, that our elders didn't believe that they would see in their lifetime.
1: Fucking planes. <laughs> I mean, people in the 1800s. <laughs> How old of people are you hanging out with? <laughs> I'm 44. It's a huge difference from
0: 35. I I do I just you know, like I was thinking the other day, like just just music, like just if you if you took a time machine uh. back to like 1954 and played them like Skrillex, they'd be like, how was this made? <laughs> what is like this? they'd be so confused.
1: The it wouldn't. I don't think it would sound like instruments to them. I think it'd sound like computers. Like they'd just be like.
0: They didn't have computers. Are, are these it was machines? just. It would just sound like threats. Yeah, it would sound like war. Threats.
1: <laughs> Did you just record a battle?
0: Like it would sound like a nightmare, <laughs> because they really would have no context for it. Did you just
1: record a fight between <laughs> fucking cars? Exactly. <laughs> Two cars fighting. Are you uh, are you afraid of dying?
0: It's an. That's an interesting question. Less so than I was when I was younger. I used to have those panicky "Oh my God, I'm going to die someday" thoughts that would like fuck me up for a few hours. Yeah, and I don't have them anymore.
1: I'm obsessed with
0: it. You think about it a lot.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm a hypochondriac, so I, I think about it a lot. I'm actually not.
0: Are you more afraid of getting sick or dying, or are the two inextricably linked of, for you?
1: I'm not afraid of being dead. I'm not like, oh, what happens after I die? I don't know. Is this all there is? I, I'm not afraid of that. I'm not afraid of actually being dead. I'm afraid of the act of, like, I don't know how I'm going to die. Like, I'm afraid of the pain of dying. Like, like if I drowned, that sounds horrifying. No like, way,
0: drowning rolls. Have you ever talked to somebody what? who's... Have you ever talked to someone who's drowned and been resuscitated? They all say the same thing, that it's, like, ecstatic.
1: There's no fucking Swear way. Swear to God.
0: What? Yeah. Obviously, like, the moment where you lose control and realize you're drowning is... the. Depths of horror and despair. Yeah. But then apparently your body fills with this blissful, ecstatic, warm, welcoming sensation that you actually don't want to leave. And the resuscitation itself is traumatic because, like, it's like, oh, shit, that's over.
1: Is that for real? Yeah.
0: I've I've known two people who've been fully unconscious and been brought back with CPR from drowning, and they both said the same thing. I think it's your body releasing, like... Like DMT or something.
1: (laughs) I have a friend who uh, died on the operating table and was brought back to life with the defibrillator paddles. Did I say that? Defibrillator. Defibrillator. He was brought back to life and he had died from like a spider bite and um, went into cardiac arrest. And uh, like he'd gotten like kind of like a staph infection from the spider bite, like MRSA, like flesh eating. Bacteria, And uh, he said that the worst part wasn't uh, dealing with the surgery or the spider bite, the pain from, like, having flesh actually dug out. Because that's how they get rid of the staph. The flesh-eating bacteria is they cut around the hole. Like, there can't be any infected skin. So there's an actual hole in your skin. And he said the, the worst part of that whole ordeal was uh, just dealing with being uh, electrocuted, he said for, like, you know, a few days, maybe even if it was a few weeks of just, like, feeling really like you weren't yourself, like, from all that electricity.
0: Did he have any tales from beyond?
1: No. I don't think so. No, oh. he didn't tell me.
0: I was just interested.
1: But, yeah, I'm afraid of the moment of dying. Like, I don't want it to be – I don't like pain. And, and that's odd because I have a huge, tall pain threshold. Like – I'll get dental work with very little um, anesthetics. You know what's
0: weird is I have a really high pain threshold, too, and yet, like, I pussed out really bad when I had, when I was in labor. Yeah. Like, I thought I would be, like, the hardcore person who's just, like, whatever. Yeah. Both times? Yeah, the first time I had to have a scheduled C-section so there was no labor involved. The second – that was fine. That's, like, fine. Were you sec- asleep for that? No, no, no. You're wide awake. Really? They're cutting you – they cut into you and take a human out while you're wide awake. Why it's do crazy. they
1: let you be awake for that?
0: Because you want to be. You do? Wouldn't you want to be awake when you no, meet your child? Never. That's oh, like – it was cool. It was cool. I had You my can't app- feel anything.
1: I had my appendix out, and if there had been an option – Hey, do you want to be awake while we remove this appendix? like, no.
0: Well, it's a little different. I don't know. But the second time around, I did the whole regular deal and pushed him out. And, like, I I was shocked at how early into the process I was, like, screaming for pain relief.
1: I don't doubt that. I am... If it's there, why wouldn't you? It can't be
0: worse than that kidney stone, though, (laughs) that you had.
1: I had a kidney stone. I wish... Maybe I can post it on the Feral website—a photo of my kidney stone. It's worth Dustin, hosting. can we do that? Um, I, I passed a kidney stone a few years ago. It's the only one I've passed that I am aware of. Now, looking back on it now, the pain that I went through—I I kind of wonder if I've passed some in the, you know, my earlier years and just didn't know that's what was happening. Um, but I passed a kidney stone the size of—if you took a popcorn kernel out of the bag before you popped the popcorn—it was that size and jagged. And um,
0: <laughs> good night, folks.
1: Good night. <laughs> the crazy thing is it wasn't that bad. I, you like, said that I can't way,
0: believe that that didn't hurt that bad. I've had
1: far worse pain than that, like broken ribs and shit. That were, Like this was, you know, when they say uh, passing a kidney stone is the closest a guy can come to.
0: I've heard it's worse. Giving
1: birth. I was like, no, it wasn't that bad. I just thought I had a really bad muscle spasm. You in must my have it.
0: Your pain threshold must be insane. I have a
1: crazy high p- thrain pe- th- pain thr- thrain threshold. <laughs> it's the name of my band, thrain Peshold. <laughs> <laughs> I have some. Uh, you know, do you remember we went when before we did uh, the talk show pilot, we went to a dinner at one of the producers' houses. Yes. You and me and your husband Dan and we got there early. <laughs> we, the three of us just sat in your car for like twenty minutes.
0: We were afraid to go in. We were
1: but I do that all. Oh yeah, I do that all the, the time too. Time. I
0: appreciated that you like, you weren't like this is weird. You were like, when oh, you, I totally get it. I totally get it. We're gonna sit in the car and panic. We
1: pulled up and you're like, well, we could go in and uh, or we could sit. And I'm like, before you even finish the sentence, <laughs> the I'm car. like, let's sit here.
0: <laughs> Dan is the same way. So it's it like
1: fucking sit in the fucking. Yeah. I'm- I go everywhere. I get everywhere early, and I sit in my fu- – I spend more time in my car probably than anywhere, and that doesn't include driving time. I lo- I love just sitting – like, I'll go to a store, buy something, and then I'll sit in my car, like, checking my email and shit just for forever.
0: Yeah, I'll do that, too. I think that might also be something that comes uh, from living in California. I think you develop a relationship with your car when you live in L.A. yeah where you're in it so much yeah. that it just becomes like a traveling like pod like life pod
1: and I, I thought I was the only one I was like uh. like if I was in my car for like a long time and someone pulled up in their car next to me in, in a parking spot I would feel really stupid if they got out of their car went into the store or whatever came back and I was still sitting there I'm like and I'm like going, oh, they probably think I'm such a fucking loser. But I notice it all the time now. I notice people just sitting in their fucking cars all the time.
0: You know, what happens to me all the time. That's embarrassing. Like I'm a really fast eater, and <laughs> anytime I go to like Chipotle or like you know one of the garbage places I love to eat, I always like I'll to- I'll walk in, someone will already be there. I'll order my food, eat it, and leave before them. So, like, I lap people.
1: Before they've even unwrapped the Yeah, burrito. like, I'm
0: finished. And, like, I always feel really self-conscious about it because I know they saw me come in and they saw me leaving. And, like, you know, women I'm, I'm have I'm issues the same with way. food.
1: I <laughs> ate really fast. Like, we're recording this at 2 p.m. And I was like, oh, let's meet at Chili John's. It's, like, a few blocks away from Farrah. We'll meet there at 1 and then... And we were done eating by, like, 1.30. Yeah, it
0: was a pretty efficient <laughs> lunch. <laughs>
1: um, we know each other... I'm just going to jump all around here. A lot of people think that I know you because of Ellen Page, which is...
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: Which is not true. No. Um, I
0: I wasn't even... Uh, I feel like... Did I meet you on Twitter? Is that how we met? No. I feel like my first interactions with you were on Twitter.
1: No, I remember... Meeting, In fact, I don't think we've maybe ever even been in the same place, you, me, and Ellen, at the same – maybe a party recently, one of Sarah's parties. But, like, I know you solely separately through I, – I think we met through Edgar Wright.
0: Oh, yeah. At the spaced screening. I completely forgot about that. That's right.
1: There was uh, a few years ago – Are
0: you friends with Edgar
1: yeah. No, I, just, I, mean, I guess not, everybody is. Not good. Like, we don't hang out a lot, but, I mean, he's always No, but he's, like, working, a social
0: but... butterfly, and it feels like he knows everybody.
1: He does know every, everybody. But I, I hadn't even met... The night I met you was the night that I met Edgar, actually. Uh, Matt Berry was in town, Matt from The Mighty Boosh and Garth Marenghi's right. Dark Place. He was guest-starring on Sarah Silverman's show, like, our last season. And um, uh, after we finished shooting one day, he's like, hey... Um, Edgar Wright's having a screening of Spaced at uh, the ArcLight, and it was when they were releasing it for the United States on DVD. So they showed like three episodes right. in the theater. It was him and Simon um, introducing the movie, and so I met I met Edgar that night, and then uh, Edgar introduced us that night too.
0: I'm glad you remember.
1: I do I totally remember because I was like, "Oh my god, that was fucking Diablo Cody."
0: <laughs> oh my god! Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and what a disappointment it would grow to be.
1: And now we've worked together. we you
0: know, just, just a pilot. Just you also pilot. wrote
1: uh, the first episode of Children's Hospital that I did.
0: Oh, that's right. Where so I, we, we really worked together quite a bit.
1: I, I, play, I played a child molester. It's great. A supposed child molester. A
0: supposed child molester. I love that show so much.
1: How did you, did they ask you to write or did you
0: They asked me. Something? I just wrote another episode, too. You did? This season, yeah. I, I'm friends with Rob Cordry. oh okay. I know him and his wife really well, so uh they, he's just like once in a while will say, "Can you do it? The first episode I actually wrote with three other people, which is kind of a kind of a funny situation, considering the episodes are like
1: short. eleven minute episodes <laughs> yeah. How did that happen
0: um you know I have this uh, it's it doesn't unfortunately it doesn't happen as much anymore now that we're all like older and have responsibilities, but I used to write like all the time with this group of three other ladies who are still my dear friends, but um, Lorene Scafaria, Dana Fox, and Liz Merriweather, who now... Oh, I know Liz. Yeah, of course you do. Everybody knows Liz. She's awesome. Well,
1: she's created New Girl. She did. And I am a recurring character on New Girl. Exactly. So you know her well. I'm about to do my third episode in... Oh,
0: you're doing it again? Two weeks, yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's good. Uh, She's cool. And uh, we... So the four of us wrote the episode together, which was a funny experience because it was like, all right, we'll each take two pages. (laughs) two pages? Like, They're this last, so short. This last episode I wrote all by myself. So, flying <laughs> blind,
1: blind. You know, Rob Corddry, um slept on my couch his very first time in L.A., and we didn't know each other. Really? He was friends with my girlfriend that I was living with at the time. They'd gone to college together, and he was out here, I think, to meet with agents and stuff. And... uh My girlfriend was like, hey, is it all right if, like, a couple of my friends, they're here for some meetings, if they crash on our floor and our couch. I was like, yeah, sure. And Rob was one of those two people. And he was so fucking nice. And um, I ran into him years later at UCB. And I was like, hey, man, you probably don't remember me, but you slept on my couch. And he's like, holy shit, that's fucking
0: crazy. (laughs) Yeah, Small he's world. A, he's a cool dude.
1: He's a cool dude.
0: Small. Wait, so I don't... When did you and Ellen start hanging out? We did f- a,
1: a movie. When I say we, did, right. we did a movie... That's right. I'm sorry. i Always
0: forget this. I've asked you this a million fucking times.
1: When, when I say Super. we We did a movie together, she did a movie, and I worked on one or two scenes in that movie. And you
0: guys just hit it off.
1: Yeah, it was crazy. She, uh, I was supposed to have a little bit of, of a bigger part in that movie, um... And it was one of those, you know, really low-budget movies that, you know, a lot of the cast were doing for no money. I was going to do it for no money. And then, uh, like, two weeks before I was supposed to go to Shreveport, Louisiana to shoot, I booked an episode of a, a sitcom, like, a guest star in a sitcom that paid, like, fucking a lot more money than I was going to make on Super. And I had to fuck. i was so bummed out and I, I called James I am I was so nervous to call him and say I can't come because I can actually make money doing this thing and when I told him he was just like oh yeah you gotta stay and make money and then like a few weeks later when they were doing reshoots in LA he was like hey we're shooting the scene in a comic book store with Ellen and Rain and uh, I think I can find a place to throw you in in there if you wanna do it and I was like yeah cool and that's when I met Ellen. And it turned out she was a huge fan of Sarah's show. Mm. And we immediately bonded. And she was so funny. She kept doing this shit where she was acting like I had never been on set before. <laughs> so she was, like, trying to explain to me, like, when they'd be like, all right, pictures up. She'd be like, uh, yeah, that means they have a picture and the, the cameras are running and they're ready to shoot. And I was like, yeah, I fucking know that. Like, I was being the the asshole who's like, I fucking know, Ellen.
0: And I like she, that you established a shtick right away. Immediately. Cute. And like
1: the, the boom operator would be holding the mic. She's like, "That's Don't let that distract you. That's a, a microphone. It's <laughs> to pick up extra sound. And I was like, I fucking know. I've done this before, That's asshole. That's so funny. And then uh, we totally hit it off.
0: I wish she had done me that service on Juno because that literally was my very first time ever being on any set, ever. 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 So people really did have to explain things to me, like, okay, like, now they have to shoot the other side.
1: (laughs) That is (laughs) weird, though. That's, there's always, you know, when you see anyone working, whether it's behind the camera or in front of it, there's always, every single one of us had to have a first time on set. Like, for me, it was a commercial, and I was so... freaked out? I was so fucking nervous to shoot this Pac Bell commercial that, like... Immediately into my little like, like I had a short little monologue just right into camera, it's like a POV shot of me talking to my roommate. I kept losing all the saliva in my mouth. Like I would start talking and like my mouth would immediately dry up. And the director, I just remember, I still can hear it in my head going, "Cut! Can someone get him some water?" And I was just like, "Oh."
0: Do you still get nervous ever?
1: I don't get nervous when we're shooting. I'm not.
0: I I noticed camera. this, like, right before we went on to do the talk show. Like, I you know, I was dying, and, like, yeah, you, you were, were so chill. I was like, you're actually not nervous in the least. And there's just this huge room full of people, and yeah. the cameras are rolling, and you just, you're totally unselfconscious.
1: It's weird. I, I mean, when I was younger, and I would watch shows that, like, taped in front of an audience, or even just award shows where people would have to go up and give acceptance speeches in front of, like, a, you know, a fucking theater full of people I was like I don't know how they can do that I don't. The, the, there's people staring at them and I guess you just get used to it
0: Yeah,
1: I get ner- I do get I was a little bit nervous uh, when there's people like when we're shooting like a single camera show and there's no audience to be had you have just this amazing freedom of just like you can fuck up your line and just go back and do it as many times if, yeah. as you want but Like when you do a sitcom and there's like a live audience, there's still a little bit of nerves. You're like, oh, fuck. There's people watching that are going to be like, "Eh, eh, he fucked up his line. (laughs) 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 What? I Okay. I, like an idiot, went through IMDb and looked in your... Oh, girl. Like the trivia section. Like I've the, never the bio section? looked
0: in the bio section or the trivia section, so enlighten me. I knew
1: you liked roller coasters. I love them. I, I, I can't go on roller coasters. Terrify me. But it, the, I didn't know this is true. If it is true, did your husband propose to you on a roller coaster? Yes,
0: he did. <laughs> I like that. That's an IMDb. I wasn't aware that is of that. On IMDb. He did. He proposed to me at Magic Mountain because he kn- my number one crazy person, hardcore like Asperger's level hobby is roller coasters.
1: That's insane to me.
0: Yeah, I travel around and I ride them. And I uh, he yeah he he surprised me. It's pretty cool.
1: How did that work?
0: You know what he did? Did he pull
1: out a ring on the roller coaster? You know what
0: he did, which was really, first of all, he somehow managed, you know, they check, like, your pockets and stuff when you get into Magic Mountain to make sure you don't have, like, weapons. Knives, yeah. Yeah. He got through with the ring, uh, so I had no idea it was there. And uh, then we got on this old roller coaster called Revolution. Have you ever seen National Lampoon's Vacation, which, of course, you have?
1: Revolution. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's like
0: the coaster they go on.
1: It was, at the time it was built, it was the world's largest all-wooden roller coaster.
0: No, that's Colossus. Revolution, oh, Revolution is the was one the with one the with the loop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, they uh, the the restraints came down, so you're locked in, yeah. and we hadn't yet left the station. And that's when he proposed. So if I had said no, I would have been trapped <laughs> for three minutes in like a, in like a <laughs> hydraulic harness yeah. next to him. So I think it was a brilliant idea <sighs> on his part.
1: And then you had this crazy ride after Which was great. you said yes. Yeah, it was wonderful. You should have just said when he said, "Will you marry me?" She said, um, "Can we wait till this ride is over?" And <laughs> then made him have the most horrifically stressful roller coaster ride of his life.
0: Honestly, it was it was stressful in general, in a good way, but it was just crazy.
1: Um. Oh yeah, the revolution. Mm-hmm. I remember. I went to. I went. To, I have to. I
0: can't understand why you'd be frightened of such a controlled experience.
1: When I was younger, I loved roller coasters. I think it's just uh, now that I'm older, I'm, like, fucking terrified I'm going to puke or something. But when I was younger, I remember my family went to Magic Mountain. And the the biggest roller coaster there was the Revolution. And I rode it probably ten times that day that we were there. And I remember, like, I can see it like it was yesterday. There was in the middle where you first walk into the park, there was this giant table with a glass case on it, and they had a model of Colossus. Yeah. And they were like, this is, we're building this, so this will be done in two years.
0: Oh, well, it wasn't even there yet. crazy. It wasn't That's crazy. even, they
1: hadn't even started it yet, and I was just looking at it going, that is fucking huge. And now when you go to Magic Mountain, it's dwarfed by yeah, everything there.
0: it's true. It's, uh...
1: You drive by, you don't even notice it. When you're driving by on the freeway, on the five freeway, you don't even notice, um, Colossus,
0: Yeah, I mean, there isn't even a line for Colossus anymore. It's, like, completely forgotten.
1: That's so weird to that's me. That's the way it
0: works. Progress, baby.
1: Um, let's see. What did I, what else did I dig up on your... Oh, man. I think that was the main one. I was like, he fucking proposed on a roller coaster?
0: I'm glad you're, you think that's cool.
1: No, I think that's good. What? How did you come up with the name Diablo oh. Cody? I mean, how, how many times have you had to answer that?
0: I've answered it a lot, but at the I mean, like it's i the reason I'm groaning is not because you asked the question, but because it's like I still can't believe I'm stuck with this name like <laughs> like imagine if like you would come up with a name when you were like twenty five as a joke, yeah, you were calling yourself like lightning Racer A g or like some shit like that <laughs> lightning and like razor. and now you were like professionally stuck with it.
1: How old were you when you came up with it? I
0: was like 24 or something, yeah. I, and I wasn't intended as a serious pseudonym or a pen name or anything like that. It was because, like I, I've said before, I didn't want my parents searching me on the internet and finding the stuff I was writing because I was writing about oh. all kinds of dirty shit at the time. Oh, like yeah, at the yeah. time, I was like exploring the dark side of my personality. I don't know, yeah. and you know, I just wanted to protect them from that. Yeah. So.
1: Oh, that's actually a great idea. Yeah,
0: and then what happened was I was approached by a publisher and I got a book deal based on the, the writing that I'd been doing online right. and they asked me on that fa- the fateful day do you want the book to be published under Diablo Cody or as your real name which is Brooke Busey yeah. and I said uh, I thought about it and I said Use Diablo Cody because I want my fans my fans, yeah. my readers, you know. Yeah. <laughs> to who are enjoying, you know, the stuff that I do already to find the book and to to buy. I wanted to take advantage of what little following I had to yeah. try and sell some books. And that was it. That was and beautiful. I have been stuck with it ever since.
1: How many books have you written?
0: Just one. Writing books is hard.
1: And you're you were part of the Dave Letterman. Book club.
0: I was. I am the only person ever to be in the Dave Letterman book club.
1: Uh, how does that? What What year was did it? Was that a.
0: Have, ge- it was totally like a one episode gag where he said that he he never has. Okay, first of all, me getting on Letterman in two thousand five or whenever that was was crazy. Yeah. I was a complete unknown. The book wasn't selling like. Uh, I got a call saying, like, David Letterman read your book and wants you to come on the show. And I was, like, completely in shock. I couldn't believe it. Like, yeah. and I, at first I thought, like, well, does he want me to come on? Like, you know, he'll have a hell of random people on the show, like the convenience yeah. store guys or whatever. And it was like, oh, yeah. no, we want you as the guest. Sarah
1: jewel and Mooji Yes, Bart, like, yeah. I thought like
0: were, like, grind, the chick with, like, the freaking, like, soldering iron that would come oh, on. Yeah, but yeah. I didn't know. like, And then it was like, no, he wants you to sit down and be, like, the guest.
1: That's amazing.
0: And, like, my mind was completely blown. So uh, I went to New York, and sure enough, he had read the book, and he he jokingly brought out the book with, like, a little <laughs> sticker on it saying, like, he Dave's wanted to book start club. competing with Oprah's Book Club, yeah. and this was the first entry. And he, like, made my career. Like, then people bought the book, and uh, I started getting calls to write movies. That was how my whole life began.
1: How fucking terrified were you to go out? There
0: are no words. Like, I had never been on television.
1: Jesus Christ. And uh, yeah. then your first time is with Dave Letterman. And
0: I was, I just remember sitting backstage, and I didn't have any, I didn't have any money at all, and I didn't even understand that, like, you're supposed to have, like, professional hair and makeup when you go on a show like that, so I didn't. Uh-huh. I literally glued a weave to my head that morning. No. No. I swear no to didn't. God, I'm like. I gotta
1: Is this on YouTube? I gotta it see is. this. Oh, you'll die.
0: <laughs> and I'm wearing, like. You'll see what I'm wearing. I'm wearing, I'm like wearing the clothes from like the mall. <laughs> like I have like rips in my tights, like, <laughs> and like no makeup. Like no one has ever gone on that Letterman like this. Oh, trust me. Awesome. And I, I came out and I was like so scared.
1: <laughs> but oh.
0: I just started like kind of sassing him yeah. and he loved it.
1: Oh, that's great.
0: And then uh, when I came off, I just like, I was ill. Like, the adrenaline crash when I walked on stage. And you
1: probably don't remember anything of being on stage, do you?
0: You know, I only remember it was really cold.
1: Yeah.
0: Which surprised me, because I, now I know that a lot of people keep it that way. It's but,
1: famously cold, his studio. But it was
0: really cold, and I remember, uh, like, he was wearing so much makeup up close. I was like, oh, shit, I'm supposed to be wearing makeup.
1: <laughs> that's always weird. That's yeah. still, that's another thing you don't get used to is... When you're doing a show and you're looking at somebody close up, you're like, "Fuck, that is a lot of like." You can just see it, but for some reason, it doesn't show up on TV.
0: No, on TV, it does. I mean, did they put a ton on you for?
1: Yeah, yeah, oh, they do. Yeah. It's
0: crazy. It's so weird, but um, yeah, it was very, very strange.
1: I used to love. Dave would do a, a recurring bit with this woman, Peggy, the foul Mouth librarian. I where she I would come out with a, a cart of books, and uh, and she would just fucking curse, and they would bleep the whole thing. Like she'd be like, Here's, "Here, try this fucking book, you fucking ass!" Like <laughs> it was fucking amazing. Letterman on NBC was maybe the best thing on TV ever. In oh yeah. Night. He was so fucking good.
0: I grew up watching that show, and when he was like wearing like a Rice Krispie suit and like lowering himself into a bowl It'll of milk, milk and like doing or shit, the like Velcro the, suit, the Velcro suit, or like the like a what would he like attach like a camera to like a monkey, and it'd be like the monkey cam, and like
1: they did uh, when I was at Kimmel, our head writer while I was at Kimmel was this guy Steve O'Donnell, who was Letterman's head writer at NBC, and he was responsible for like. Uh, Steve O'Donnell created the top 10 list, which oh, they wow. still do. He, Steve O'Donnell came up with an idea, a theme that they did for a show, which they called it, I think, the 360 show, where throughout the course of the show, the camera turned uh, clockwise. So at 30 <laughs> minutes into the show, you were looking, watching the show totally upside down.
0: It's like, that's such a weird like concept. Like, the whole
1: show, it was just a regular show, but the camera was rotating slowly. Like, the camera was rotating with the minute hand on the clock.
0: That's so disorienting. They yeah. did it?
1: They did it, yeah. That's cool. Halfway through the show, 30-minute mark, was the show was totally upside down.
0: I, I, like when it, I like stuff like that. Gonzo experimental stuff that people used to do. Yeah. You definitely don't see it as much anymore. Who yeah. do you think is the best talk show? You, I mean, uh, besides Kimmel. I like Conan. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I like him too.
1: I also... There's something about NBC, like the late night at NBC. Though. I, Conan, I think, was better at NBC uh, it, before he went to The Tonight Show. He's still great. But Shh, fuck, man, sh- TBS
0: was, is amazing. TBS... Oh, no, they no. can no. do no wrong.
1: TBS is great. I, I, Luckily, whenever <laughs> I'm short on money, I can call the writers over there and I'm like... Can you put me in a sketch? And they'll fucking put me in a sketch. Really? And yeah, That's cool. I just did one two weeks ago that got cut, but um, where I played a guy who was just sitting in a, in a lazy boy chair who'd been there for, like, years, and there was, like, moss and mushrooms <laughs> growing out of my skin. <laughs> do you
0: feel like you're being typecast as I did
1: Well, I've noticed, like, I've probably gone in there to do four or five sketches on that show, and it's always... Makeup heavy. Like, I am I think I'm, like, the guy that when it's, like, ugh, I don't want to have to wear that, it's...
0: Oh, it's, like, we'll call Steve.
1: I had one where I was wearing Daisy Duke shorts and, like, a really tight shirt, and I'm, like, dancing. And I think it, it was another instance of the writers being, like, I don't want to. Let's call Steve.
0: That's, like, what happened to Dan, my husband. He's, like, he's a producer on Chelsea Lately. He's not supposed to be in front of the camera at all. Yeah. But, like, they've developed this bit where they put like lingerie on him and like high heels yeah. and like trot him out onto the stage like once a week at least
1: That's more that's extra money though that's great Yeah no he <laughs> he I think he
0: enjoys it but yeah. it's just like and like we but we always talk about how it's like you know, there's some guys who just genuinely fantasize about being, like, paraded around in lingerie and, like, yeah. sissified. Like, it's a huge fetish. Sissified. And we're like, it is. It's yeah. like a whole—especially with, like, an overbearing woman, like, insulting yeah, you. Yeah, humiliation. And, yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, it's so—he's wa- like, it's so wasted on me. Like, there's some dude out there who this would, like, make his life.
1: <laughs> yeah, he—Dan he, is the Brian McCann of Chelsea Lately. Brian was the writer on Conan, who was that guy. He, w- he would walk out with, like— you would be the guy sitting in the seats like whenever they do a bit where Conan's talking and then like all of a sudden there's an audience member going, I disagree, Conan. And they cut and it's like it's always yeah. Brian McCann. And then he's, he's like, your show is is too risque. He's, he's like, you can't have Lindsay Lohan on. He's like, I, I'm f- furious. And then he gets up to walk away and he walks away and the ass is cut out of his <laughs> Yeah out of his pants and there's it says fun hole on his <laughs> shirt with an arrow pointing down to his ass. <laughs> and brian was always the guy in lingerie on the show
0: yeah he's, exactly there's got to be somebody like willing to wear the thing that like nobody else wants to put on
1: and once they establish that he's always the person to do it
0: well it's good to know there's a tradition of this and
1: you've been listening to talk show chat with Stephen brooke <laughs> Uh, I think that I think we're at time. You got a you got like, a phone oh, call them phone I want to talk about
0: the Pat Sajak show.
1: What Pat Sajak show? You know
0: Pat Sajak had a oh, yeah, late night yeah. talk show in the 80s. I there mean were the, crazy, the there were a lot of crazy talk shows. There were a lot of
1: crazy 80s and 90s talk shows. Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase, Robin
0: uh Alan, Alan
1: Thick. Thick, not Robin Thick, Alan Thick, Chevy Chase. Maybe that's Magic
0: it. Johnson? Am I making that up? The Magic Hour, happen? yeah. No, he had okay. one called Magic Hour. <laughs> Do you think they made it just like because it's like the Magic Hour is such a good title that they developed it for that reason?
1: I think after he retired, and they're like, we got to get him on a talk show, and then somebody in a meeting was like, we'll call it the Magic Hour, and I think that might have been what got it green. Oh, that's
0: what got it green. Maybe we just need a better title. All right,
1: it's called it the Magic Hour. It's- <laughs> It's free right now. Uh, all right, that's it. Um, thanks, Brooke thank you. slash Diablo.
0: Hey, thanks for having me, Steve. Uh,
1: and thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, tune in next time. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, that was awesome. <laughs> uh, again, I want to thank Diablo for coming in here to Farrell and uh, recording that. I had a blast. Uh, and thank you for listening. I'm really – I know I say this a lot <laughs> – I'm really going to try and do these podcasts More regularly We have a new studio that is awesome I, I'm having fun Just sitting here right now uh, And uh, speaking of Farrell, uh, While you're here on the page Why don't you uh, go and check out Some of the other podcasts uh, Such as my friend John Roy's new podcast Don't Ever Change with John Roy uh, Let's have a listen to a clip Right now Welcome to Don't Ever Change. I'm John Roy. I'm your host. This is a podcast about high school and all of the things that happened therein and how that affected our guest, who today is the very funny Jonah Ray. You
0: know, because I grew up
1: in the town I grew up in Kailua. is was right next to a Marine base, too. And okay. so I got, I fucking had to deal with good old boys as well, you know? Hey man, you yeah. seen all these fucking Samoans every damn place? <laughs> and you know, I was a big, fat, dorky, like punk rock nerdy kid. And so like, you know, uh-huh. I'd hear a truck pulling up behind me. It was either one of two kinds of people. Okay. So, so then did Tony oh, so, hit you? So what, I go, I, I, I fucking go. You back down. I back down immediately. Cause see, this is what I'm trying. This is leading to you being expelled. Yes. So I'm just trying, like so far you're, you are doing everything right. Yeah. And even to, right to the, to the fault of. Of pussiness, yeah, and yet still somehow this leads to you being removed from the high school. Yes. That's what that's like. So let's follow this trail of injustice. All right, there you have it. That's John Roy, and don't ever change with John Roy. Uh, thanks for listening, you guys. And you can donate to the show on the Feral Audio page. You can click my link uh, for my show and then donate there. You can actually donate anywhere on the website. Uh, So don't hesitate to do that, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Want entertainment designed
0: just for you? Then check out customizable streaming TV from Xfinity. It makes your life simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity
1: gives you customizable streaming TV options. Enjoy the most free shows anywhere on any device and even access your streaming apps right on your TV with X1. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply.